the Garden Hose Australia podcast, where we talk all things gardening. Your hosts, Jamie and Erin, will wander down the garden path with tea or gin in hand and discuss gardening loves, hates, new discoveries, interview some of our garden heroes, visit inspiring gardens and continue a discussion about plants that started over 30 years ago in primary school. Hello, Jamie. Erin? <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks since we got together busy in the garden I actually I didn't actually have time to stop and talk to you prioritizing plant babies over me well, I don't know look I actually I went on um like a horticulture tour um yeah, you're like, taking your horticulture on the road on the road in my big, <laughs> in my big tradie wife ute and I hope you were wearing velour <laughs> not all the time but um so tradie wives Erin um tradie wives Hang on, not to be confused with traditional wives because that is a <laughs> that's an awkward Instagram rabbit hole you'll go down. Sorry, um, did you say not to be confused with? Not to be uh, confused with. Well, look, the tradie wife thing. We've been posting a couple of things on Insta about tradie wives. Um, I get the feeling maybe we need to explain that because it's kind of a private joke we've had <laughs> that we just decide to everyone will come along with us on this journey. <laughs> Trady wives. Well, okay, so um, I don't know if this ever happens to you where late on a Friday night and your mates are texting you and you've had a couple of drinks, many, because I don't drink a lot, and you don't have your glasses on while you're reading. Um, is that ever happened to you where you misinterpret information? Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, well, the older I get, the more often that seems to happen. <laughs> a couple of my mates were texting me about, what I thought were crazy wives. And I'm like, how come I don't know about this? This is amazing. Like, I'm a tradie and a wife. When I teach at a trade school, like, I am actually the ultimate tradie wife. Ah, uh, so you thought they'd invented a hashtag for you? They'd invented her. I thought they were just educating me about <laughs> it. So I let them know how excited I was and that I thought I was the ultimate tradie wife. And then they had to correct me, go, no, Jamie, grad wife. And I'm like, I, I don't know what that is. And um, traditional wife, um, stay at home, raise the children, do the housework. And I don't have a problem with that. I did that for several, several years. And um, I balanced it with, you know, um, for the first two years of my son's life and the last two years of my mother's life. So I had coming into the world and going out of the world. And <laughs> I trad wife the shit out of that, okay? <laughs> And I looked amazing while I was doing it as well. <laughs> and it's probably the most stressed and um, the most amount of grief I've ever experienced. But, look, I was great at it. Now I'm moving on to a new phase and I'm like, well, hang on, not a trad wife anymore, but I am a tradie wife. Wish can this. <laughs> so that's why when you see, uh, yeah, tradie wife <laughs> on Instagram, <laughs> that's Jamie living her best tradie life life. 
tradie wife life. <laughs> well, tradie wife life. A uh, couple of ladies, a uh, couple of tradie wives out plant shopping. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> They're not at home doing the dish. Probably, I do get the slow cooker on before I leave the house sometimes because I'm mixing it up. And I'm like a tradie wife who's throwing in some trad wife characteristics. <laughs> well, I reckon I've been tradie wifing here, even though in my my, my non-working, non-paid working time, uh, I've been digging ditches to try to set up some drainage <laughs> around the garden. I love, I love drainage. Well, you can come here and play with drainage all you like because I'm trying to work out. So my flower patch that I'm trying to expand, there's sort of a, I think I really didn't take into account the sort of the contours, the natural contours of the land. It is on a slight slope. And demonstrating that once again, I'd just like to, <laughs> you guys are missing out because Erin is demonstrating with her hands on the screen. See? Where it, goes. <laughs> it looks like an 80s dance move, actually. Like Eurovision. It is. Oh, it's like everything leads to Eurovision, doesn't it? It does. So, yeah, the contours of it all just sort of go into the middle. And I think maybe I need to, uh, yeah, dig out some sort of drainage trenches or something. And I tried to do that this year on either side of the dahlias where I planted them. Not hugely successful. I have lost some dahlia tubers. Um, I think I had this sort of narrow mounded thing where I tried to dig gutters along either side. So now I'm looking at how I can best rectify that. And then, you know, the, I've got these huge big garden beds behind my house that are like my vegetable beds. You've seen those, these raised beds. And them, love them. And every time I visit you, I'm like, all I'm seeing is overachievement. <laughs> Well, you know, Farmer Tom, he just he doesn't do anything on by house. So said I wanted a little herb pottager behind the house. And he went, oh, I can do that. So we have these very large beds in between. And we didn't really consider the drainage properly. So all the ground there sort of slopes gently to away from the house. And the idea is it all collects and runs off. But now we've put these big, dirty beds in there. The traps all the water in between them and like all my stock plants rotted there last winter so and it's just an awkward space in between these two beds so I'm trying to work out what to do there <laughs> to, to help oh. with that drainage well a couple things gosh if we had the space you'd just get a ditch which like you just you'd tell Tom about it and Tom would look them up and then he'd be like you know what we need Erin we need a ditch which <laughs> is that like that little machine that goes along and Think, I think you're thinking dingo, but oh. ditch, which is kind of like a trench digging thing. It's like a giant chainsaw. Um, oh, how how yeah. big are we talking? How wide is it? I don't know how wide the machine is because I think you can get industrial ones or like domestic ones, but sort of as wide as a dingo that fit between your beds. Yeah, the dingo I'm trying to machine. think what's between there. I think we've got, I think we might have one and a half to two metres between them. Check out your local hire place, Erin. Yeah, we have got a local hire place here that I've had stuff from before, so I should check that out. You might have to scrape the gravel off the top and then it'll probably dig through your clay. Mm, yeah, because there is like really hard-packed clay and there's rock and that behind here. Let me give you Jamie's top drainage tips. Oh, hit me. I tell you, God, I'm, I'm, I'm the life of a party. Like when I go out and I'm like, so what do you do for a living? And, and then people say to me, what do you do? And I'm like, well, you know, right now, Thinking about drainage. Um, you would be very popular at my party. <laughs> so, all right, hit me. What are your top threes? 
Give okay, so you'd be looking at where the wet patches are. Where is it wettest around these beds? And that mm-hmm. is telling you that's where your water's draining to. So that's where you want to put your drain. No point putting your drain elsewhere when it's the water is telling you where it's running to already. Mm-hmm. So anytime you change your landscape, if you don't control the water, it will find its own way through things. Mm-hmm. So you have to manage that. So if you don't do it beforehand, and often the, the the soil will change as well. It will compact over time. If you've cut and fill an area, it takes a while to compact down. Um, so you're finding your wettest place because that's where your water is draining to. If you can get a ditch in there, great then what you need is some sort of aggie pipe. So like the the black slotted pipe that you can Mm -hmm. get get it from Bunnings or you can get the white PVC slotted pipe. I like the black pipe, the aggie pipe, because you can get it with what's called a sleeve or a sock on it. And what's that made of? uh, It's nylon. Okay. Uh, But, I mean, you could get it happening like in your local... Um, I was going to say CFA, but I'm thinking, no, CWA. You could get them on like oh, yeah. some sort of knitting project to, le- <laughs> to knit you a long drainage sock. Yes. Um, and what it does is it just stops the fine particles getting into um, your pipe and blocking your pipe up over time. Hmm. Oh, yeah, good. So I'm not going to have to go and replace that anytime soon. Why not? So, and I know people go, no, you don't need to worry about it. But I think for the few extra dollars... It is so worth it. So you dig your trench, you put a little bit of scoria in your trench, then you put your Aggie pipe with your sleeve in, then you cover it with scoria again. And that, um, or similar, because did you know you can't get scoria everywhere? It's a very Victorian thing, Victoria Australia. Yeah. And so if you're in New South Wales, you probably wouldn't be doing that. Um, What would you use there, I wonder? You'd probably use um, some sort of crushed rock. Oh, like a road base. Yeah. So just for anyone who doesn't know, um, scoria is like a little volcanic rock and it's fabulous for landscaping purposes because it's really light Mm. um, as opposed to crushed rock. Um, We've actually had a little pile of scoria here because it was um, someone else living nearby here uh, had some I don't know what when they were building or something and then they had a pile left over and they're like oh, I just wanted to get rid of it and uh, I was like, oh what do we do when we went we'll take it so they just brought it over here on their trailer and uh, dumped a big pile of it so we've just been bit by bit you know just dipping into that for little things oh and so at, at work when we um, are putting in drainage say um, every year I have to build a retaining wall with my students we put in drainage behind that so we dig a little trench, the Aggie pipe goes in probably on just like a, a very thin layer of scoria and then more scoria over the top and we end up with a lot of brick rubble at work and so we use that to backfill over the top of the scoria and, uh, yeah, that, that works really well. But if you don't control the water, it will find its own way through your property or it will find somewhere to sit. So can I ask you then, if I'm putting in, so let's say I'm putting this Aggie pipe, you know, between my garden beds and I go, all right, it's wet. I want to drain that away. I'll put in Aggie pipe. Then, so the idea is that it all goes into the Aggie pipe. And then do I have to do something at the end of the Aggie pipe? Like, is it just, what happens? I have to drain it to somewhere lower and somewhere more desirable. So if you want it to drain out to your paddock or you're trying to move it away from your garden beds, 
then you just need to have aggie pipe that's long enough or a couple of pieces that you can join together to find somewhere to drain it to. All right, I can do mm. that. Maybe mm. I need to develop a water feature that I can drain it to. Well, you know, um, there was a very big trend putting in um, like dry uh, creek beds in oh, landscaping. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. So if you had a feature like that that you could run it to, then like when it's wet, you're, you've got water going through your dry creek bed. <laughs> So it no longer is a dry creek bed, just in case you were wondering. It won't be a dry creek bed anymore. Yeah, the kids, I remember my kids were at kinder. They had a, one of those creek beds there. I never actually saw it with water in it. but um. <laughs> oh, Yeah, my son had one at his kinder and it was one of the great joys. I had a, they had a water tank and a hand pump mm-hmm. and, um, oh, good Lord, my son loved that thing. Oh, kids and water. Yeah. yeah. Well, can I, while I, um, you know, on the trail of advice and things I'm doing in the garden, the other thing that's been occupying me lately, because I have been doing a lot of propagation this time of year, I'm doing lots of seed propagation. So all the cool annuals, the things that need the cool weather to propagate, they get their roots in, they, you know, grow, grow, grow under the ground over winter. Come spring, we should have an explosion of flowers. Lovely. Uh, the rats are eating all the seed. I'm saying, oh, I shouldn't say all the seed. But I now have this lovely greenhouse, uh, which is terrific. I've been out there, sitting out there on Sundays and sowing tray after tray after tray. Went in there last week and checked it. And bloody rats. I can tell it's rats because it's covered in rat poo. Oh, they've dug up these trays. I'm doing the hand thing again. They've, <laughs> I'm being a rat, but they've dug up. Like, I think, I guess they're trying to eat the seed or something. They can smell it or I don't know. And so I've got all the soil blocks that I've made in these trays quite laboriously. And now they've dug it up and I don't know if there's still seed in it. So now I'm going and re-sowing all, like, all the Canterbury bells and the snapdragons, which are tiny, tiny seeds. So a total pain in the ass to sow the first time now I'm sowing the second time covering it all again and they've even made a nest um, underneath my vegetable garden uh, they went in Tom was very upset because they he'd been saving um, the jalapenos that he'd grown these jalapenos for the first time here saving them all right the frost is about to hit I'm going to harvest them all and I'm going to make jars of my own preserved jalapenos. The rats went in and they ate every bloody jalapeno off those plants. My God. So, like, I've got to ask you at this stage, how's Tom? How's Tom going? Tom went and bought a big box of rat bait. (laughs) I I sent you uh, via the Instagram, I sent you a a rat. Oh, you did. Now, I don't know what that was. It had like a big mechanical arm, which I was trying to work out what that did. Like, was it reapplying rat bait? And then it said that there was like, you have to, it'll give you some message when you've got like 24 rats or something. And I was trying to understand, does it like hold 24 rat bodies? I wasn't quite clear what was happening there. I I suspect, I don't know. I'm going to look at the ad. Again, because I opened it and I looked at it and I sent it to you. So now my Insta feed thinks I'm really interested in it. Um, and it keeps popping up. So I'm going to check it out again. But what I think is happening 
is that similar to one's soda stream where you were, use gas as the medium for bubbles, well, I think with this racula it's got sort of gas canister and then it's whacking the rats on the head. Oh, so it's I like a hydraulic kind of thing I, I don't know by gas. I don't know if it's hydraulic. I think it's, um, I'm going to say the word bolt. Uh, there's like a bolt that is triggered when the rat steps oh. on a pressure plate, I think, and then I oh. think it uses high pressure to hit the rat on the head. Oh. Right. Now, as gross as that sounds, you're going to kill them anyway and your husband bought a big tub of rat bait and I'm really struggling because we have chickens at home so we therefore have rats, but I don't know what to do because I'm trying not to bait them because of the... Um, the owls and things yeah well that's the other thing you got to be concerned about here I mean we have uh, like I think the I'm trying to think of what we have around here I haven't actually seen any owls here there are kookaburras though that might eat them so I'd be a bit worried about that maybe um because I, I was uh I've been pondering this for years uh where we used to live we, we had lots of mice and they came into the house uh which I didn't love got to tell you that right now and I'd bait them and it happened every autumn and we used to get them in the greenhouse at work every autumn so I think once the weather turns cold they're after your seed they're cold and they're hungry Mm. um and I noticed we had some dead mice a couple of times in the yard and um the dog wasn't interested in them and the kookaburras weren't interested in them and I'm like oh that's really good and then I was like oh it's not that stage that's the problem it's you've poisoned them they're still alive and your kookaburras and your owls eat them and um Mm. yeah then it's not good for them so I bought a great big old school um spring-loaded rat trap but it doesn't work if you keep it in your laundry cupboard oh yeah in the packaging yeah they don't go looking for (laughs) no Um, we've got in the house because I accidentally left uh we went away for a few days and I had someone come to feed the our little mini pigs. Not so little, actually. Yeah, <laughs> huge pigs. Um, so I had left on the kitchen bench. I bought a sack of the grain for the pigs, bought it in and left it in the kitchen. There were mice in this sack of grain. Yeah, so then since then we had some mice in the house and we hadn't had them in this place before. So Tom went and bought a couple of mice traps and they're like the the enclosed ones because at that stage we still had our old dog here and so he used to, if we put out a trap he would just go and investigate it and you know he would trap his nose or something so um yeah it's like a enclosed one so there are traps in it and there's a little hole where the mice go oh what's in there and go and have a look and yeah gee that worked we we would like get we were having to change it multiple times a day my god mm, so that was, and we didn't actually even put any food in there to entice them. I think it was just that there's this container, there's a little hole in there, and they go, oh, what's in there? And go having a look. Wow. I heard this awful story. I can't remember who from, and I'm pretty sure it's illegal to do. Now, I don't condone this. I'm just telling you things I've heard, okay, Erin? Um, about someone who used to, they'd mix cooking flour, I think with salt and plaster of Paris. I'm not laughing. This is dreadful. Um and the the mice would eat it, and then the the oh. then they get really thirsty because of the salt, and oh, they drink no. water, and then it, the plaster of Paris um, gets wet, and then it oh. sets, and so they turn into oh, that's a, yeah, these solid that's a horrible little, way to well, is it? 
What does rat bait do to them? Yeah, same thing, really. Well, it, instead of turning them solid, it liquefies their insides. Yeah. So it's all pretty disgusting business, isn't it? Yeah. So maybe more of an instant trap is the way to go. Or a yeah. doink, or the, the big doinking arm. The doinking arm. Yeah, perhaps. Anyway, we should probably unpleasant. get off the vermin. Yeah, this is a very unpleasant conversation. On to something funny. Pride ourselves yeah. on our few. Well, tell us about uh, about your trip away, your, your horticulture intersection with Eurovision. Oh, well, like, you know, it just so happened that, like, Eurovision was on um, and that I love Eurovision. That's about me, Erin. Oh, actually... I'm just going to hijack your Eurovision story for a second to say I was out the crack of dawn, no, pre-dawn, pre-dawn I was out driving this morning and um, I was in the car for a long time because it was, you know, that hour when there's lots of wildlife around so I had to go very slowly through the fog, uh, driving through the forest and I was listening to ABC Radio and they were talking about Warnable have something called Warnavision. So what they're doing is they're celebrating Eurovision because Eurovision is apparently huge in Warrnambool. Did you know this? That's what with cheese. So I think cheese is big in Warrnambool as well. Oh, there you go. So that must be the link, surely. So what they do, they have all of these, I don't know, people who perform and they each pick a different country and perform a song from a different country, Eurovision style. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So that's worth finding out when WarnerVision is because that sounds like just a trick for you waiting to happen. Yes. Wow, I didn't know about this. I'm so excited that you've told me this. Um, yes, and I only just remembered it now. I kept at the time I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna text Jamie when I get out of the car. And of course, I never did, but I am just, I'm gonna be googling it. But anyway, that was me hijacking your story. Up. I can see what you're doing there. Are you looking that up right now? I am looking that up. I'm gonna send um, you some link when I find it. I keep coming up with WandaVision. Anyway. Right, tell me about well, your I, weekend. I just happened to go away for the weekend and um, I often go on about my, my mate Emily. I ended up staying at her house and, um, oh, gosh, it was a treat. And last year we tried to drive out to this garden, got there and it had moved and so we found where it was located and we got there and we were a couple of months too early. They were shut for winter or something. So this year, oh, because... Because last year my husband had COVID and so we didn't go at our normal Eurovision time. Uh, we were on it, we triple checked, and we went to the garden at Broughton Hall. Um, is that how you pronounce it? Because I don't know. I, I think follow so. them on Instagram. Oh, well, I see. I didn't. I didn't because I didn't know what they were called. <laughs> oh, gosh, it was very nice. And um, if we've had a look at our Insta, we had we, photos on. We did post some lovely photos that you took while you were there. Oh, gosh, it was lovely. Um, and they've got a little uh, retail space as well, so that's very nice. Oh, do they? Mm. So is that plants that they what propagate from their garden? Some just nice little rare bits and pieces. So it's not oh. your general run-of-the-mill plants. They're, they're oh. rare and unusual. So can you get what sort of things did you see there? Well, hang on, I'll just have to refer to my photos. Look, we bought this <laughs> fancy little fuchsia, which I know sounds like a weird thing to buy, um, but this fabulous little fuchsia. Oh, they did have a lovely big specimen of um, Acer Fabri, which is one of my favourite maples, and Emily bought one for me recently. She went to Stephen Ryan's nursery. Do you know, what? I've never been. That's is it Dixonia oh, red plant? It's right near me and I've never been there. Oh, I'm putting Emily in the go. car. 
I'm putting Emily in the car and we're coming out and we're taking you oh, there. Oh, yes. Let's do that. Oh, and then we're going to talk, going to talk plant trash. Like, so hang on, Asa Fabri, how do you spell it? Um, oh, I love that you're asking the dyslexic lady. Okay, um, all right. Oh, F A B R I. Thank you. Yes. Mm, yeah. Okay. I had lovely pots. I'm just going through my photos. They had some spectacular pots. Uh, they had beautiful Japanese maples. They had some fabulous grafted ginkgos. Um, oh, so we know how much you love a ginkgo. Love a ginkgo. Love a ginkgo. Um, so they were prostrate ones, not confused with prostate. Now, um, <laughs> I, I brought this up and I mentioned this because you have to be very careful in life, and especially if you're teaching the youth of Australia, and I've completely sidetracked the plant story. <laughs> oh, so my dad, you know, he's chucking in a little bit of cancer at the moment, mm-hmm. and I may have said the word prostate in front of my work computer because I go to show something to my students one day someone asked me a very wonderful and valid horticulture question I'm like that's a great question I'm not sure why don't we look that up on the big screen that my laptop's plugged into we look that up oh and so I go to type and this ad comes up for prostate health with this animation of how you self-check yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> great moments in horticultural education. <laughs> oh, did your students all pay attention to it? We're confused. Like, they, like I show them random things, but generally it's horticulture related. Or unless I do do educational sessions once a year on, okay, this is what Eurovision is. This is the history. <laughs> you tell your kids that. <laughs> well, if I don't, you're quite seriously, Erin. But it's not about can you landscape and keep a plant alive that if you leave my course and you don't even know what Eurovision is. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes I teach them other things. Considering that most of my students are male, state health is something they are going to have to think about yes, in their true. futures. It's probably never crossed their minds till now. You're but doing them a favour. I can assure you. I don't think they'll forget about it in a hurry. <laughs> Certainly won't. Um, bit of a shock. I did have a legitimate excuse, though. They were like, oh, my God, you're a king. I'm like, oh, I think I said the word prostate in front of my computer because of my dad. And so I explained it. They were fine with that because it led to oh, horticulture because everything can be linked to horticulture. Now, when we're talking about ground covers, uh, there is a word to describe the plants that grow along the ground, and that is prostrate. Don't confuse the two. No, so the way to remember it is they grow straight across the ground. Now, if you're like me, you have to stop every time before you say either one of those particularly the horticultural one, to make sure you have the right one because you don't want to go into a garden centre and go, I'm looking for the prostate rosemary. I have heard look, lots of people saying that, though. They'll be going, I don't care where you stick your rosemary, that's your own business, but don't bring it in here. <laughs> Speaking of prostate plants, I saw on a lunchtime walk okay. recently at the front of a church on the corner uh, near the office I work in with an exceptional uh, prostrate uh, juniper. Oh, yes. Yes. I don't know if it's... Uh, or maybe it's a horizontalis, perhaps. Uh, oh, I, think. I would assume so. <laughs> and gee, it's very healthy and it's doing very well. And uh, I was very tempted to go, oh, I wonder if that, a, that would propagate from a cutting. And in winter. Oh, good timing. Conifers are in general your winter prop. 
Mm. They, they can they can take a long time, but um, uh, that's all right. And, I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And what you need is what's called a heel. So, you know, so if you peel a little branch off, a main oh, branch, yeah. yep. and it takes a part of the main branch with it, yeah. um, that is like called a little a bit of the, of the cambium, like the, the yeah. skin of it. Sort yeah. Of. So you wouldn't be just snipping off a tiny little side branch. You'd be pinching a bigger branch and then pulling the little side branches off and getting um, getting that little heel and you'll need some hormone for those and you'll need a stronger one than you would use. Um, so you can, you can get hormone in different strengths mm -hmm. and there'll be one for hardwood cuttings and that's what you'd probably want for your conifers. Oh, look, this sounds exciting, but you know what? Just the thought of me trying to sneakily take a cutting from the front of this church, my heart's already speeding up and I'm feeling nervous. <laughs> Oh, well, I've got another concept to teach to you that I teach my students. <laughs> this is what you need called access all areas. Mm -hmm. What you need, Erin, is your high-vis vest and a clipboard and your work boots. <laughs> now, um, who is going to stop a woman who has a clipboard who looks she's meant to be there and she's wearing high-vis? Yes, that's a very valid point. And if anyone calls you up because you've got your clipboard with the pen, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, what's your name? I'll just jot that down here. Yes, no, I was sent in. I, what I'm actually doing is checking the health of the conifers. Have you heard about the new conifer disease that's in the neighbourhood and it particularly affects junipers? Yes. So what I'm doing is I'm sampling the junipers in the area. Now, someone reported that you've got some junipers and they were quite concerned about the health of them because it's spectacular and we don't want them affected, okay? I feel like you could carry that off very well. I kind of doubt my ability to do that. I doubt my integrity. This is, I'm saying all this to you. <laughs> sound like some sort of horticultural hole. <laughs> Just to get a plant. Yeah, but then on the other hand, I'd really like this plant. <laughs> I, I figure if it's doing well in the, like a, a street corner there, it'd probably do well in my, I've got that sort of rocky bank at the mm. front of the house that I'm trying to plant up to mm. exclude weeds. I feel like it'd probably do okay there. You know, I live near two conifer nurseries. Like, I, can, I could probably, like, regain oh. my integrity by buying some for you. <laughs> probably go there and um, have a look. Conifer Gardens Retail Nursery is, I think, less than a kilometre from my house. Really? I've never seen this nursery. I've never taken you there. No. Should. I feel like we need to remedy that. Well, plants from the side of my driveway, not take you to Conifer Gardens. Yeah, that's true. We need to do that. And because we had a plan to do that. And we had a big day planned and then I had all those, that bad car karma and, uh, yeah, had some car problems, which mm. has mainly mainly been resolved, except I have one car that is all good, the other car that is yeah, semi-good. I can go on short trips. I need the other one for long trips. Talking about rats, Erin. Ah, yes. Now, With your car and rats. Yes. So this is something. And since I told you this story, I have further developments on this story. So um, the car that wasn't going so well, this ute that we have, uh, we were having to check the coolant in it regularly because it had a problem with the, the cooling system. Anyway, we kept bloody finding, like, and I mean like twice a week, the rats are making nests in the engine. So they're pulling out weeds from the garden and building like this whole round nest like on top of the engine, inside it. So I'm going to keep pulling that out and then come back three days later, check it. They've bloody done it again. Like a whole nest in there. And I'm worried that it's going to catch on fire or something when we're driving it. And then... It's a good outcome for your ute, though. Well, hey, yes. 
this is true for insurance, insurance purposes. I'm kind of hoping that every time I get off the train and go to get it from the station car park, it's like, yeah, it's bloody still there. Someone <laughs> wrapped themselves in a doona and stole it and crashed it for you. <laughs> I don't know why. So, but then I was looking on a local Facebook group and there was a whole thread about people finding that rats doing this in theirs as well and were building nests in their car as well, like the car engine. So it's not just me. There are a whole lot of them finding that at the moment. Do you feel validated now? Well, yeah, because I, you know, I'm looking at thinking, I have never seen this before. I mean, I'm assuming that's rats. That's weird. Is there some sort of, you know, like weird alien thing where these circles of plants keep appearing? Crop circles? Crop what, circles? circles in your engine? <laughs> in my engine. But, yeah, there are other people going, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw this in the car. Yeah, yeah, it's because of that. And then someone else found that their, their car wasn't going and um, so they had to end up having to get it, like, towed to the mechanic and they found that rats, because they'd nested in there, had chewed through all these hoses in the engine. So, yeah, bloody rats. Anyway, we keep going back to rats. <laughs> um, and then I'd like to circle back around to Eurovision Yes. And nurseries and plants. Oh, yes. And we also went to, um, we did this last year as well because they were open. That was exciting. We went to Druin Garden Centre and Nursery. Mm-hmm. It's delightful. And learnt in my horticultural time and with my friendship with Emily is I follow her around. I just, mm-hmm. like, I'm looking at things. But basically what I do is, like, I'm some weirdo stalker. I'm one step behind Emily because she, she'll go, oh, that's interesting. Haven't seen one of those before, and I'll go. Well, I was very restrained. I only bought two plants for the whole weekend. Oh, that is very restrained. Very unusual. Very unusual. Um, and one of them was um because Emily picked it out. She's like, oh, Dicondra repens, but with a very small leaf. I wonder if that's about the growing conditions, or it's just a small leaf form. And I'm like, it's only one way to find out. And I'll buy it, and I'll grow it, and I'll let you know <laughs> because I do have a little bit of Dicondra repens as a little little mm. um native uh ground cover. And How does that go with frost? I think where I'm going to plant it, I don't have the same frost issues as you. Yeah, but the, I'm thinking purely for selfish reasons for me. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I'll bring you some and you can test yeah. it out. And did that that likes, does it like sort of a moist, to be kept moist? But I've seen it in drier conditions and it, it's okay. If you if you were trying to grow Dicondra Silver Falls, the fabulous silver version, I think it's from New Zealand, that will have a real hissy fit at your frost. Yeah, so I've grown that in Kokodamas, which I know is your area of specialty. But Kokodama. I made Kokodama some years ago. I went on a bit of a Kokodama bender and uh, made a series of those for uh, like party favour gifts from one of my kids' birthday parties. Did did not go down that well with a group of four-year-olds. Well, yeah. kids, I made you a Kokodama. Yeah, yeah, they just want the lolly bag. Mm. So, uh, but anyway, I did do some with um, Silver Falls and they they didn't uh they didn't like it as much as like say some of your ferns or um some of the hardier sort of indoor plants I found that to get the right balance of soaking them for their roots to stay moist and then they needed a bit of misting and everything so I said yeah bugger you (laughs) I haven't grown it since very pretty Erin do you know I actually specialize in kokodamas I don't specialize. Look, I think that's a charitable term, but uh, <laughs> I run Kokodama workshops from time to time, Erin. Do you? Tell me more. Well, look, 
All I'm saying is when we work up a bit of a following, let's do garden hose moss balls. Moss balls. That sounds mm. good. Mm. Cookie down more on moss. Mm. Yeah, I think moss balls sounds a bit more approachable, doesn't it? Mm. 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 And what is, what's your preferred plant choice to plant into your oh, moss I love a fern. Love a fern in a moss ball. I've, I've come around to ferns a bit. I bought a couple yeah. of small ferns recently from my indoor plant collection. So when I say all this, like, I'm really good at helping other people make brachydamas and then sending them off with them. I actually don't own any, but I do own three beautiful kokodama stands. Oh, that are just crying out for a kokodama, clearly. <laughs> Need them? Like, because they're actually, I'm hiding them in my work office so that my husband doesn't go, hell is that? And me go, kokodama stands. <laughs> an actual thing a kokodama stand oh yeah oh i'm so adding that to the collection of pot plants that are going home with you you're taking my three kokodama stands oh i think maybe you need to um share a photo of that yeah i did have i think i sent you some photos the other day of how messy i am as a gardener and ah, um yes. my rubbish bin i've got a tray of dichondra silver falls that emily gave and I'm like, oh where am i gonna put them oh god i don't know i'll stick them on top of the bin for now i'm not using the bin <laughs> i must admit i have that i get a bit impulsive when i go out and i see something i want to buy i buy it then it sits on the back step for a few weeks i'm like oh my god where am i gonna put this and so at the moment i have half another tray of surprise surprise ranunculus because ranunculus orders keep popping up that i keep forgetting about and i've actually got some anemones that i have never actually grown anemones um so i thought i'd try sort of a tray of those and whack them in and see how they go because i do see that it seems to be the first thing in spring that's popping up for everyone who does grow them. And I'm still waiting a few weeks later for the renunks to come. So I thought, yeah, I'll try some anemones, but they're kind of just drying out on my back deck. So I figure tomorrow I've got to try it. I've got a busy day tomorrow in and out with kids, but I've got to try in between to go out and plant all of these anemones or they're just going to curl up the toes and die. <laughs> Still, oh, you and I spoke um, a couple of weeks ago about like you were getting all your ranunculus in, and uh, I mm. put mine in my cupboard. Like I was, I bought some fancy schmancy ones, as inspired by you, and then labelled them all, bagged them all beautifully, forgot all about them. They're still in the cupboard, and I've got a very busy work week coming up. So, oh, they're not getting out this week. I don't think it's too late. To, it's not too late to get them out. No, um, and I do know that there's a few other flower farmers who do them in successions like between sort of April and early June and there are still some people who I mean it's a bit late to do it in spring but I do know that there are some people who try doing some later as well I don't think that you'd get as good quality out of them then but at the moment there's still people planting you can plant them now and they'd be like over the next few weeks I think they'd be fine um, I found that mine I don't know how many hundred I put in now I just keep I'm just not counting them at this point but the ones I put in that were a little bit bigger are doing really well but the ones that were a bit smaller they've um because these are ones that were already um sprouted on and I bought them as plugs and the the smaller ones something's come in and eaten a whole lot of them so I'm hoping if I can protect them because you know obviously the corn's still there that they'll just you know sort of re-sprout and they'll keep growing but then I, when I say that, I don't think it's too late. This is me crossing my fingers because remember I saved a lot of my corms and I put them in the garage 
and they've just been sitting in trays drying out and uh, I really need to get them in, I think. Um, and I haven't even tried that. And they're not labelled, so it's going to be a total mixed bag of whatever I had because I just threw them all together. I always say I'm going to label these things. This is why I'm never going to be able to sell, like, <laughs> corms or tubers or anything because I'm totally crap <laughs> at keeping those things together and labelled. <laughs> Hear you. I um, oh, follow the... The Dahlia Society on Instagram. Ooh, so do I. And I think it was like two months ago, they said to me specifically, or to everyone that follows them, um, make sure you label your dahlias now before they finish flowering. So, of course, I've got the laminating machine. I've taken the photos. I'm going to print those photos for sure <laughs> and make little labels so that I know well, what they are. That's a good way of up. doing it. Oh, yes. Oh, that's a great way of doing it. See, I bought flag tape and actually wrote on it. Um, and then I shouldn't say I'm totally crap at it. It's because I am totally busy. And so of all the jobs I've got to do, going out and tying these flags around things, I just don't do. But I like that idea. Fabulous idea. I'm all about ideas. But I'm <laughs> very little about following that through. So... <laughs> I uh, haven't done that yet and I was looking at it the other day because I was outside and I have, um, I've got a very steep backyard and I also am the proud owner of the Stairs of Death. <laughs> stairs of Death. Sure. No one's died on them yet, but I'm pretty sure. Only a matter of time. Yeah. If you were going to break into my house and you went, I know, we'll go <laughs> through the backyard. <laughs> And you wouldn't make it to my house. Can I could kill you? And that brings up all interesting things to do with who was liable, yada yada, whatever. But I've re- I'm trying to rectify this, and but oh God, I'm a bloody procrastinator. Like that's part of my messy garden business. Is like, <laughs> sure, would to plant that? I think I'll just think about that a bit longer. And uh, so sometimes things die in their pots while I'm thinking. Hey, I always I say to people if they're asking for any garden advice or they're worried about doing something I say like here's the thing if you were going to grow a lot of plants you are definitely going to kill a lot of plants that's that's just the way it goes it's just it's a bad look for me um because I like to I like to tell people how good I am at this business (laughs) but the the stairs of death I've been thinking about for two to three years now our first winter here we were living in statistically one of the wetter places in Victoria and Mm. we have these fabulous I think they're like red gum, they're old red gum sleepers. They may have come off a railway track oh, because yeah. they've got oil nice. on them. And nice. so when they're wet, gosh, they're slippery. Ooh, yeah. Guess who bought the place in summer? Didn't know this. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, they look good in summer. Do um, they grow do they grow moss on them in winter? Yeah, because um our backyard doesn't get really much sun at all. So I'm not expecting that they'll dry out till December this year. Mm, where yeah, that's most long of the way through May. The three steps. So I had a plan, but because I procrastinate for so long, I didn't execute the plan. And we had a fairly wet summer. And so I've got a two-stage plan now. I've now made more work for myself. So to get me through from now till summer, I've put um, chicken wire on the steps oh, and yeah. put u-shaped nails in mm-hmm. um just enough room to pull them out again when the steps dry out um but when I say that I've done this I've done half of them and I've done the top half um <laughs> you could you could still die 
halfway. Only on the bottom half. Only on the bottom half, not on the top half, because they had crud on them and I had to scrape them. So I'm like, well, got to start at the top. So I was I was going great guns and because um, I am a tradie wife. My, my husband was in the study working from home and he's called out the window while I'm, you know, deep in the chicken wire step zone. He's like, don't forget to pick up our son from school. I'm like, I was, I was listening to a podcast. I was saving people from dying in my backyard. <laughs> and I've only got half of it done and I haven't gone back to it. Well, look, I think you have to celebrate the wins. It sounds like it's going to be a fabulous Fabulous safe stairs <laughs> once it's all done. Yes. Oh, yes, I think so. <laughs> Aesthetically, I don't love it and that's why it's temporary. But I figure if I don't kill anyone until I get to the main fix, which is probably going to be a clear non-slip paint. So um, oh, have... can you? I didn't even know there was a thing. Yeah. And if there's not a thing, I'll freaking make it a thing by getting some grit and some clear ah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's good. Oh, I saw something like that. I was going up some steps somewhere and they were really textured because I was thinking that we're going to be putting like gravel and sleeper, big, long sort of wide steps coming up from our driveway to our front door. And I worry about that because here sometimes the back step gets so icy in winter, it's really slippery. But maybe that's what I need Why? to do. Why? Chicken wire. Well, I was thinking maybe the gritty paint. Okay, that too. Yeah, maybe the gritty paint's the way to go. I think that sounds good. Well, oh, I'm just checking. I wrote down here, look, uh, because, you know, I was saying I follow Emily around garden centres. Mm-hmm. One of the other great things about being friends with Emily is that she is like her own garden centre, except she doesn't necessarily charge me. Um, she <laughs> she sent me home with some fabulous plants. One of them I've been after for years. It's this fabulous grass that I first saw growing at Cloud Hill, you know, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, called Stiper Gigantium. Oh. So as the name suggests, it's a big one, hey? Um, oh, I've got a Stiper here. I wonder what, I can't remember which variety it is. I bought it last year and it's just going so well. And now in autumn, it's really holding on to the, the heads and they just look, even when they're sort of dying off, they look so lovely. A label? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I do have though, I bought it from Antique Perennials. And so I've got the plant list. And once I have the list, then I can walk around and I can identify all the species. But we got a a big order delivered when I was doing a new garden last year. And that's the way to go because I do love the antique perennial stuff. And if you've got a big enough order, they'll just deliver it. And so the guy came here with the truck and just, you know, delivered them all. And, oh, yeah, they've been, I think, I don't think we've lost any of those. I think we just planted Fantastic. at the right time last autumn, last year. Now in King Lake, if, if they can keep them alive in King Lake, you should be able to keep them alive in Kyneton. Yeah, that's right. And what we have so far. So I think I'm going to, oh, I think we should visit them and do a podcast from Antique Perennials. Yeah, okay. <laughs> After that. <laughs> All right. Great. Oh, the, the other thing Emily sent me home with was um, hostas, bless her heart. But that, yeah, the Stiper Gigantium, was was a win and oh she sent me home with this big clump of lupins I'm like bloody oh, hell that woman she can garden look did she say what color those lupins are she probably told me previously I think she had some pink ones or mm, blue ones I'd, I'd like to get remember. more pink ones oh, I, I love put them. some in last year and um, I'm saving seed and mm. trying to expand my lupin collection because I like them for you know cut flowers uh, and so that mine I had just a small crop this last year but I yeah particularly the pink ones are really pretty and popular so I'd like to do more of those I have had a lot of the dark purple and yellow ones before 
um, which are nice, but not everyone loves a yellow flower. I find that yellow can be quite polarizing. Hmm, I like a yellow flower, but um, it's, I think it's down that end of the sort of orange spectrum that, you know, I think the safe flowers that everyone seems to like your pinks and blushy colors. Hmm. So that's very popular. Speaking of pink and blushy flowers, oh, you know, I'm not buying any more plants this season. Not buying any more. No more. Mm -hmm. And then a catalogue arrived in the mail. And uh, do you think nurseries are the last places who still send paper catalogues? I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I get, it's very tempting though. I get, uh, maybe it's something about, you know, gardeners. They think that we, you know, we're sort of old school. I don't know. Or we like to have a paper catalogue. I still get like the Tesla's ones. And this was a, was it the Van Diemen quality bulbs, VDQ catalogue? Yes. And, um, oh, pages and pages of peonies. Now, I have, I've only ever owned one peony and that was a gift from you many, many years ago when I lived in Melbourne. And, um, but I, I left that garden. I should have dug it up really and taken it with me. But um, so, and I, I think that was an apricotty sort of coloured one. And did it die down to the ground every year yes. or did it have woody stems? No, I think it died down. So that, my friend, is a herbaceous peony. Okay. Um, so they die down to the ground every year and if you dig them up they've um they've got really thick roots on them and if they've got wooden stems then generally they are a tree peony but okay so they, they but they're still deciduous still deciduous yeah but they they persist you know uh, above the ground with their woody yeah but like slow growing I've got one in my garden that was my mum's that my dad didn't want so uh I dug it up and moved it to our house and it's probably 20 years old mm. and it's about a metre tall. And so how many flowers would you get off that season, do you think? Well, that depends if you stuff up your feeding regime or not, Erin. So right. um, it flowered the first year I moved it because it had already set flower buds from the year before. So mm. it's going deciduous now, but I can see that it's going to have about 20 flowers on it. 20s that's a yeah. lot oh you know um so a meter tall but multiple stemmed um so i wonder which are the sort that people normally grow for cut flowers oh they're herbaceous they're herbaceous okay. oh yes my friend now what about the ones that in the catalog they had another page of itoh ones oh, yes i don't know how to pronounce that whether it's itoa or but that is what's called an intersectional hybrid. So that is a herbaceous peony crossed with a tree peony. And um, so it's, yeah, it's called an intersectional hybrid. And what they have is something that comes up in horticulture and with animals as well called hybrid vigour. Oh, so what that is. Well, say um, you get a much more vigorous plant because you've got these two sets of genes and quite often what you get is uh, the vigour from both plants. So um, would, does that die down like the herbaceous one or does it have a woody structure like the tree peonies then? Gosh, I actually just don't know. Mm, I'll look That's into embarrassing. That. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'll look into that. Well, maybe Google it now and I'll talk at you or something. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I don't. I don't own any, any of those. I've eyed some off. So I've got. I've got two tree peonies, and then I've got. Oh, I don't know. Twenty odd herbaceous peonies in the garden. You do have to feed them, or you're not going to get good, good plants. And oh, so what do they pH, like to? Your, your pH and your drainage are also very important. So, you 
If you have acidic soil, you are going to have to add lime, garden lime, dolomite oh, lime, like something more like alkaline. that. Yes. And so so how, have, how how alkaline? Uh, so, well, neutral to... So, okay, so seven would be okay. Seven to seven and a half mm, pH, all right. yeah. And, and then what do you feed it? So you'd be looking at something that's got um, a good NPK ratio. So whenever you buy your fertilisers, they'll have on the back, it'll say NPK and it'll show you how much of nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium it has in there. So you don't want something with truckloads of nitrogen because nitrogen's what grows greenery. So mm. you're looking for a good good ratio in there but um i was looking it up the other day and you should just be able to look up some best fertilizers for peonies they generally mention herbaceous but that that'll be fine for your tree peonies as well but the weird thing about tree peonies is that so for us erin we're coming into winter your tree peonies will actually be putting on new hair roots now so they, they, they're a really interesting creature when it comes to plants because that's that's not what plants are normally doing. They're shutting down for winter, um, whereas tree peonies will be putting on new roots so you can feed them now and that oh, helps them okay. set them up. So you're actually sort of thinking about 12 months in advance, but you can feed them a few times throughout the year. So um, I tend to do it just when I'm thinking about it. So in spring, if I'm feeding everything or if I'm feeding the dahlias who are who are gross feeders, I'll give some to my, my tree peony as well. But, yeah, I'll, I'll do... A, a feed now which would most people would go well you're ridiculous because the leaves have fallen off but it's helping to set it up for next year's flowers okay now and i have just googled it and the intersectional ones um they die back like the herbaceous all right yeah so there we go but yeah it does say that they're more rare and this is oh this is from van diemen quality bolt um yeah, and talks about yeah, like what you were saying, exactly what you were saying about the vigor. It's got the best of the vigor from both varieties of the tree peonies and the herbaceous ones. Oh, so yes, definitely not buying any more plants this season. I to buy herbaceous peonies for yourself because you love them and you want them in a vase. Then mm. I say to you, Erin, I fully support you in this. But if you're looking to buy them as a cut flower, to hold your horses maybe or look into it because. There's a lot of tree, oh, not tree peony, herbaceous peony flower farmers around. And for mm. the outlay that you're going to put in, I'd be checking the returns you're going to get. Yeah, this is true. I do actually not far from here. There is a an actual like a peony farm and that's what they do. They have thousands of them uh, and that's their thing every year. So, um, and look, that's what I've said about dahlias too, is that I'll grow a relatively small amount of dahlias, like, you know, got 50 dahlias in maybe i'll end up with a couple of hundred dahlias in or something like that but I, i'm not that you know that that would be you know mixed in with some other flowers for me for summer they're a good focal flower in summer but there are so many specific dahlia growers out there people who have spent a lot of time on it are very knowledgeable about it you know grow amazing dahlias I just am not gonna. <laughs> I can't sort of, you know, compete with them. And you know, I don't. I don't want to. They do an excellent job of it. They don't need me doing that. I can spend time doing other things. <laughs> so, if if you think about there are flower trends and how mm. long were dahlias out for, and then how long will they mm. be in for, and you're coming in maybe on the tail end of that trend. Yeah. So to invest true. heavily now. By the time mm. you've got enough marketable flowers, 
you might be looking at you're not necessarily getting your premium prices anymore. Mm, this is true. Me. Now, Erin, on my list, I've got two things that I must discuss with you. Oh, all right. Hit me. Number one, how we both went to the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show. Oh, yes. And we saw a thing and we didn't know what it was and I joked that it was a botanical oh, hedron collider. Yes. It was going, that, it was going to that be a thing new... that I thought was, yeah, I didn't know what it was. It looked like a Ferris wheel for plants. Ferris wheel for plants. Great description. Well, I and I said to you, I think it is a botanical hedron collider it's going to smash botanical atoms together and it's going to be a new source of power, you know, because some peeps, they go on about, you know, the sun doesn't always shine and the wind doesn't always blow. Oh, sorry, did I just do that out loud? Yeah, yeah, you did. Oh, God, that was going to stay in my head. <laughs> That's not. That's and not. It's not that, a hedron collider. No, you wouldn't believe it. Shocked it shocked me. It's from, and because there was no signage, no, as you and I discussed. complete lack of signage. Yeah. I think it blew away. I think it must have blown away. <laughs> um, it is a prototype of, oh, it's from Melbourne Polytechnic, and it's a prototype for a hydroponic or aeroponic gardening system to send plants into space. It's you a plant spaceship. It's not the vehicle, the whole vehicle. It's an internal part of your spaceship. Right. Like that movie The Martian with Matt Damon. You know I'll work Matt Damon into any conversation we can. It's not a true story, Erin. <laughs> Shut up. I may have recently suggested that that was based on a true story, that movie. Jamie did point out that weren't they on Mars? Do you actually think we've been to Mars with people? Perhaps not. <laughs> Perhaps it was based on a real actual book. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure it was a great book. I haven't read it. Um, yeah, so- okay, so... So he grew, you know, plants from his poo in space, but what he needed was the plant Ferris wheel. Yes. Hang on. So, so, but why does it have to be round with upside down plants in space? I'm saving. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I just figured that if you didn't know the answers, you'd make it up for me. Yeah. I'm sure it's a power source. Like a hedron collider, and you, you were thinking that didn't sound reasonable. And you were right. Um, yes, but it does. So, growing plants from poo, you're not going to think this links, but it does. Right. But it's going to take a moment to get there. Erin, did we receive a message from a listener? Oh, we did. So, shout out to the lovely Beth, who, uh, I was listening to an episode we did recently where we were discussing plant nomenclature and we were talking about the way some unfortunate plant names um, and we had a little joke about naming uh, naming our own Dahlia, uh, some very what we considered some uh, bogan names. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's your status called? Uh, the rat tail Rat tail status, which mm. we said it was not very, then that was not very nice. And that wasn't, and we're talking about there are some things that just they're not marketable. Like you really need a better name for that. And how do we make some of those unfortunately named um, plants marketable? And the lovely Beth had a wonderful idea. She said, you could make the most of these and you could come mm. up with a bogan bouquet full of yes. bogan plant names. Yes. So I think Jamie's taken this idea. And run with it. Took it. I ran with it to Emily. Who <laughs> <laughs> I was calling plant spurt, but I don't think we're calling her plant spurt. Like, she... she doesn't like it. So like, I, I text Emily and I'm like, hey, um, if I was going to come up with a bogan bouquet, and so all like, I'm like, you know, so I gave her the 
the, for example, rat tail status. Um, and I was going to contribute scabiosa, which sounds somewhere oh, between like yeah. scabs and some sort of spell you'd hear on Harry Potter. Yeah. They were... <laughs> yeah it's like I'm infecting you with the pox. <laughs> Be upon you. <laughs> and Emily's like, oh, I'm not sure. Let me think about it. And then just bang, 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 bang. And I'm just looking at like in the space of nine minutes, I think she's hit me with like a plant name per minute. Oh, really? Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, are you ready? What so would be in it? From your best inspired Bogan Bouquet, mm-hmm. we are remarketing your rat's tail status. Oh, there's a um, there's bastard balm you could what add in there. Bastard balm. Oh, I'll have to spell it for you because you know I don't know if I can pronounce it. It's not all that difficult. It's just that I can't do it. M e double l i t i s Melitus. Bastard balm. There's also hairy balls. Ah, uh, yes. I have actually thought about growing hairy balls. Yeah, I've, I've got a plant of it. I've got my first ever hairy balls. Oh, really? I was a photo. I was out in the garden the other day and I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> Very excited. I bought it from Druin Garden Nursery. Oh, garden that's one of the two plants you bought for the weekend. Last year. And a year later, my own hairy balls. So that's a perennial. The shrub. Oh, there you go. Um, leavers, you know, the, the sticky weed? Yeah. Its common name is Sticky Willy. Is it? Yes. And then um, diggers sell a lettuce variety called Drunken Lady. <laughs> yeah, and it's quite pretty. You could actually have, like, lettuce heads in your bouquet. It's quite pretty. Mm, um, Salvia Hot Lips. <laughs> Solanum Mammosum, the nipple or titty fruit. <laughs> nipple fruit. You're writing all this down. I can just send this to you. Yeah, that's true. You could. I am writing this all yeah. down in my book. And Clitoria. Oh, uh, yes, I have seen that. It's quite, um, it, it's a good description of the plant, the way it's shaped. <laughs> yes. Belladonna, naked ladies. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. To refer back to Matt Damon in that. The true story the based true on story, Mars. Based on Mars. <laughs> Grow potatoes with his own poo. Oh, look, I love this. Coprosma, the literal translation. There's, there's a whole lot of plants in this genus. Some of them smell like poo. Do they? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I had the the page open where I was looking at it with the literal translation of the, the genus and it refers to poo. Ooh. Yeah. And that, my friend, makes you a bogan bouquet. Oh, that's pretty ambitious. Put all of that together. Not all of them. Like in autumn, you'd have your naked ladies. That's when does your rat? When's your rat's tail out? Oh, that's spring summer. Mm. A lot of these would be your spring summer. Yeah. When you look at it, okay. like your scabiosa, hairy balls, your salvia. Hair, my hairy balls are happening now. Oh, they're happening now, are they? Yes. So you can put them with your, your naked ladies with your hairy balls. <laughs> this i read a book once that is um it was one of those ones that has been a couple of them they talk about the meaning of flowers and you know it's one of the florists who put together bouquets that would you know have this special meaning i was quite taken with it the idea at the time but oh i could do that i could just specialize in what the meaning of flowers is and put it i actually i've bought several books then about the meanings of flowers which um i've have here and have read through and put out special bouquets for people that you know represent them and that sort of thing turns out that's actually quite difficult to grow for (laughs) to to have all of that but you know I I could actually do novelty (laughs) bouquets like this you sold it with a label but I've 
Beth's actually steering you in a in a winning direction. I think I think so. Yeah, very grateful to Beth. Thanks yeah, for that. Beth. Yeah. <laughs> Anything also, else on your list? Well, I, there was. I did have something um, say that I am quite taken with, and I actually think that you're talking about your Koki Dharma workshop. I think I could do workshops of these called I think Potty Potter Fleur or something. So, uh, which I think just you know translates like potted flowers or pot of flowers pot of plants uh but it's i'm going to say this and it's not going to sound groundbreaking but i saw all these images of this and then followed the hashtag on instagram and i spent an hour scrolling through these pictures um it's combining like in sort of like a potted arrangement um flowers like cut flowers with actual living like potted plants together you said, to create. You sent me a picture. Mm. Yeah, yeah, to create like a really pretty tablescape. Mm. This might be something that people have a lot of time on their hands, spend time doing and, you know. Huh. Um, so, you know, it was this like, I'd say, a traditional urn that you would then have some really lovely potted ferns around it and then you would nestle in there a vase that you'd filled with water with some beautiful flowers that would be coming out. So basically it looks like a little English meadow garden or something that you would have on your table or in your entrance hall or something like that. Oh, I've just I've become a little bit obsessed with it. So I think this is sort of what's spurred on my recent uh, fern buying <laughs> because I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'll propagate a whole lot of these ferns um, as the basis for it. And then I can, you know, show other people how to do it. And then I will just spread my love of this pot of fleur uh, around and it will become a thing. Why don't you do that? And I will come and read to your participants from the drunken botanist about oh, yes, ferns and plants that you're including in there that can be turned mm. into alcoholic beverages. Oh, yes. And then we could yeah. serve the alcoholic beverages derived from the ferns. Mm, let's do that. Oh, that sounds good. That's a good plan. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, oh. The only other thing I was going to say, oh, I'm going got... to go. Yep. You go and then I've got something for you. All right. <laughs> um, is, <laughs> gee, we're so in sync. The only other update I was going to give is on my Christmas trees. They are growing great guns. Nice. My Christmas trees that I bought for whatever they were, like, I don't know, 80 cents each or something like this, that as tiny little things. And now, the, I mean, I won't say tiny little things, like I think 15. So are you? Are you gesturing to me on the podcast how tall they yes. are? Yes, I am. So I should probably explain. I think my fingers are about 15 centimetres apart <laughs> for this audio medium. and But now they're like, you know, up to sort of thigh height on me. <laughs> and I oh, am that. a short. All right. So yeah, good, good point. I am not a very tall person. <laughs> Some of them, I think, are getting up to like 75 centimetres tall now. I mean, this is only the second year. Um, so I have hit them with a bit of fertiliser in their growing season. But I think as long as over summer I've kept up with some water, we have lost a few through some whippersnippering accidents. So we do need to, I think I need to buy an you know, extra box to, of them to refill them in. But oh, I'm getting a bit excited about the prospect of being able to sell Christmas trees in a couple of years. We, we plant um, Christmas trees out at, at work done the last two years um but the rabbits didn't know you did that oh yeah well it's nothing to write home about except for rabbits and deer um rabbits are fascinating creatures because they'll they'll go along and bite something and they'll they'll chew it off and then go no that doesn't taste any good i'll try the next one Mm -hmm. uh i did find that blood and bone fertilizer not only good for your plants and your soil but that will keep your rabbits off and the deer oh Um, really yeah, they don't like the smell of it because it smells like death. Oh, good point. 
Well, he could, I actually lost quite a few uh, bare root trees uh, that we had put in to, I don't know, it could have been hares because we do have hares here, but and I think maybe kangaroos chewed them down. So maybe I'll try the blood and bone next time I replant. Quite a good solution. That um, One of the ladies I was working with suggested, because I didn't have any tree guards, and um, Laura Beams, shout out. Uh, <laughs> she uh, She's like, why don't you get some blood and bone and put it around? And um, oh, that's a great idea. And it worked worked really well. Gave me enough days to to go and get tree guards. Um, and yeah, really good for the soil. So and for, therefore the plants. So um, worked really well. Yeah, mm, try and that. Yeah, you know, it might be the kind of thing that if you didn't have anything else protecting your plants, you'd have to reapply. But mm. um, short term solution, yeah. it's great. And one other thing I had on my list to say is that. I haven't watched this week's Gardening Australia, but I watched it last week or the week before. And um, Jane had on um, some oak trees and she had on a Quercus uh, cochinea uh, and it was a really vibrant red, just beautiful because we have a lot of oaks around where I am here. And um, it's the standard oaks and there's a lot of pin oaks as well. And it, it's true, they do hold on to their brown-coloured foliage for quite a long time before it, uh, they, it drops it, which I don't mind the look of, but it's not nearly as attractive as that bright red um, oak. So I think I might need to go and try to find um, a couple of those to put in here. That would be very nice. I was actually, on the weekend, I was looking at different Quercus because you'd mentioned it to me sort of out and about. I'm like, oh, is that one? Is that one? I'm not sure. Um, also, the last thing on my list that I have was just a little, um, you posted on our Insta for us. I sent you and my sister a um, an ad for Robert Gordon Pottery's got a 50% off sale and it only goes till this Friday kind of business because the three of us have gone there before. And I really enjoyed my sister's interpretation of your reply. So I send I send you both the ad, group message, like can't do it, saving for gravel, which I immediately <laughs> interpret as gravel paths. Yep, got you, babe. Yep, yeah. gravel. I think my sister thought it was a typo and you were saving for travel. Oh, I was, I was wondering that. I thought maybe she said, look, I can't go. I'm saving for travel. And I thought, oh, yeah, lucky you. But no, she thought that why would someone be saving for gravel? Surely she means travel. It saves for gravel. And in the right mind, it's saving for gravel. Erin must be planning a trip somewhere. She's saving for travel. No, Erin's going nowhere until she gets her nice Lancefield toppings. Won't feel like going anywhere because wherever she's at home, she's everywhere and anywhere. Once you have a farm, you can't leave home ever again. No, this is true. <laughs> I have discovered this. I've had to cancel a couple of our planned camping trips because we've gone, oh, who feeds the animals? Yeah, that's us. But so much gravel that I will feel like I'm in Tuscany. That's the plan. Yeah, babe. And <laughs> by then, you'll have the house that the oranges grow in that I'm not going to say. Oh, you mean that by that time I'll have my orangery? Orangerie. Orangerie. <laughs> yes. I look, I used to I used to have a wholesale nursery and I used to sell bare root trees. Winter was um my busiest time of year. Uh it was the only time of year I got paid. Tough business. So I didn't ski for 10 years. And it first world problems. First world problems. <laughs> but you want to get your skiing in before climate change hits, you know. <laughs> That's true. All right, they'll still be kicking around with their privilege, their white privilege, so it won't even matter. <laughs> but, hey, there'll probably be a lot of surfing. Uh, sea levels. Yeah. All right, this is not funny. No, it's not funny. It's a very serious problem. Yes. 
Oh, God, that was a downer, wasn't it? That was Um, a terrible downer. Well, the other thing, sorry, every time I keep saying this is the last thing on my list, this is the last thing on my list, indoor plants. I think we need to find an indoor plant expert to get on here and talk to us about them because this is the time of year where my indoor plants start suffering because this time of year I've started turning the heater on and the indoor plants, I've just got the balance all right over summer where I've got the watering regime right. Um, I'm going around misting them. They're all happy and then it gets cold. I put the heater on and now they're all like, oh, my God, what is this? Dry heat. I'm, I'm from rainforests. I'm not used to all of this. And I'm like, oh, so I'll do the same thing every year. I've got to compensate. Water them more. And, and now they're like freaking me out. What are you doing? You're giving me hot winds and you're making me all wet at my roots. And so many of them are now going all yellow and uh, getting a bit of a tease. So... Yeah, I am still thinking I need a humidifier, maybe, around them to... Your husband is going to freak No, he's very anti-moisture in the air around, you know, appliances and things like this. Okay, maybe, but maybe my plants will be happy. So I could say something radical to you. This is something Emily, once again, taught me, support culturally. Maybe I'd be nothing without Emily. (laughs) I'm, I'm new to houseplants. And look, I think I'm going to give most of them up because my best aspects aren't necessarily suitable for plant growing. So where I'm trying to grow them, it's really dark and Mm. I don't think they love it. But Emily did this radical thing where she said to me, have a watering day. So, you know, if Mm. you were watering them once a week, it's every Friday or if you're at home on a Saturday morning while you're boiling the kettle on Saturday morning, that's the trigger to go, water the plants or check the plants so in winter hypothetically depending on how hot your house is they should need less water so Mm. in summer yeah that's their growing season yeah yeah spring summer when they're growing then maybe you are watering them once a week if they need it but come winter um i i can go two to three weeks without watering mine and some of them it's not till they start like particularly the ones in the bathroom, they'll start wilting because there's a ducted heating vent in the ceiling blowing on them. They're not freaking out. They're um they're not going, hang on a minute, I can't handle this hot wind on me. It's just that they will wilt and they'll go, love, you forgot to water us. And I go, oh, I so did. But I don't think I'm watering the ones in the bathroom often. It's I reckon it's once every three to four weeks. Yeah, okay, three to four weeks. Well, I think also most of mine, need they need a repotting day you know i think they've exhausted a bit of the a lot of them have exhausted the growing media that they're in so probably need a bit of love we all we all need a bit of love is that is that a way to finish this off i think that is show a bit of love this week peoples great idea well i'll uh see you next time great um looking at you doing hand gestures and measurements podcast (laughs) how big your plants are and how your rats dig Again, when I'm looking at you. <laughs> All right. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. Just a note on our very catchy garden hose tunes. We have our original music composed and produced by Martini Toothpick. Martini Toothpick are Dan Zielinski and Mika Coleman. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we reside and recognise their continuing connection to lands, waters and communities and recognise that their wisdom and knowledge has been passed on for thousands of years.